0: You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to The Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also presented by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. To help get everything your dog's got, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba created the new premium performance lineup to help unleash your dog's maximum potential. Check them out at yucanubasportingdog.com. Also presented by Trinity Bretons. Angels in the home and demons in the field. Now offering the Trinity Upland Academy to help each Trinity Breton client attain and develop the highest level of training available with George Hickox. Trinity Breton offers puppies. The Trinity Breton Upland Academy with George Hickox, started dogs, and stud services. Learn a whole lot more at trinitybretons.com. Also, Pointer Traditions. Pointer Traditions is making some premium dog collars, bird straps, you name it. They got you covered. Their dog collars are some of the best premium high end dog collars on the market and they look amazing. So get your hands on Pointer Traditions. Use promo code ROOKIE15. That's ROOKIE15 for 15% off your order. All right. We are going to jump into today's episode. I'm super excited. I got back from my Nebraska hunt uh, a couple days ago. I know a lot of you have followed along on social media the last few days, but I thought I would do kind of a quick recap um, of the hunt and not just a recap and, and say all the great things that happened, but Um, go through two things. Uh, one, the highlights of the trip, uh, what stood out to me, uh, just as wins and that, uh, really stood out. Uh, but also I'm going to go over what, what did I learn from the trip? What did I walk away with learning, um, that I want to grow and know and and just do better for next time. So, uh, we will start with the highlights. (laughs) It's always always good to start on a, a positive note, right? Um, Highlights, uh, how my dogs worked. Um, that really, really probably was a top highlight for me is just getting them out there in a real experience, knowing their wild birds out there, uh, and just watching my dogs, um, change direction with me. If I go this way, they go that way. Um, just seeing their natural range. Um, I did really try to, um, kind of shut my mouth as much as I could. Um, and just see where they would go. Um, Gauge—he really pushed his range. Um, he was working 150 to 200, maybe a little bit more at times, um, which was really fun to see. Um, really, really fun. Um, that big country in Nebraska, um, just letting uh, him open up and and just go, um, has been really fun. So he would cover a couple hillsides, you know, again a couple hundred yards away. And the nice thing, knowing is we didn't have to go cover that hillside. He covered it for us, then he'd come back quarter in front, uh check out the next hillside. So that was really cool to see. Um I just, and, and someone asked me Cade when I was hunting out there. He asked me, you know, how does he transition with uh pheasant hunting or, you know, tight cover? And Gage started his hunting on pheasants. So that's what Gage started on. That's kind of what he knew. Uh this big range stuff just kind of came came naturally for him last season. And the less I talk, the less I pressure him, um, the more he opens up. So that's been really fun, um, just to see Gage's versatility um, on big country prairie birds versus pheasants and you know quail things like that. Um, So yeah, so on on pheasants he he tightens up. He works a you know a sixty acre field you know like any other. Great pheasant dog, um, so that's been a really special thing to see with him. Uh, but that big country, just letting letting him go, um, is really fun to see. Um, Wynn, on the other hand, um, kind of similar to Gage, just seeing her range. Um, she was right out there, maybe not as far as Gage was, but she was pushing you know that one fifty range as well consistently. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and, and she's working. She's not just out there for a jog and, and trailing Gage. Um, you know, sure, she would she would trail him a a little bit and then she'd get off and go do her own thing and hunt and, and use her nose. So um, but just really fun to see a seven-month-old uh pup just uh just working that cover, working those feel or those uh hillsides. Um so that was that was overall a really big highlight. Gunner as well. Um his range opened up. Um still a still a close-ranging tight dog, which is which is great. That's what he's bred for. Um but, but seeing he could push it a little further than I've seen before was was really exciting. Um, so, that, so yeah, just seeing the dogs work and how they handled out there was just a real highlight for me. Um, a couple other things. Uh, gunner's retrieve. Uh, so my buddy Cade shot, uh, shot a sharp tail. A really nice shot. Um, we were coming down a slope, and the bird, uh, as we were coming down, flushed and it was basically flying into the next hillside, <laughs> so I'm not sure what this bird was going to do, uh, just flying straight into the next hillside, uh, Kate took a shot, bird went down, well, right after the bird went down, uh, we could kind of see it start to, to run, uh, not run like a pheasant, but, but it wasn't dead on the spot, so it started to move a little bit, and, uh, I think I told, yeah, I think I told Gunnar to fetch her, yeah, I'm pretty sure I told him, and if I didn't, he did it on his own, but, um, Told him fetch it up, and he just takes off like a little freaking rocket, uh, tackles this grouse. There's just like a little cloud of dust. And uh, takes the grouse, grabs it, brings it all the way back. Uh, again, we're still standing up on the, the, the downslope of the hillside and brings it right back to hand. And that was that was freaking special to see. Um, I, I got a special thanks to Andy Taylor. Uh, he did a lot of work with Gunner um, from steel Fort kennels, uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, Gunner had a natural retrieve, but he, he kind of fine tuned that retrieve, uh, worked with him a lot. Uh, also on giving the bird up <laughs> Gunner, Gunner had a little issue with, with, uh, you know, not wanting to give that bird up. So, uh, Andy, thank you for your work with him. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a real special moment just to see, uh, that nice retrieve from Gunner. Um, again, uh, probably biggest highlight for me last, last highlight, I'll share is uh winds uh pointed grouse. Um so out of my dogs, uh she actually had the only pointed bird of the trip. Um birds were flushing kind of wild. Um they were a little spooky. Um I don't know if I don't know if it's the hills, I can see it coming more. I don't know what it is, but um it just you know, first couple of days we did have a, a, a good wind, but then there'd be there be times we'd be out there, wind would completely die down. So there's some condition issues, um, which is which is normal expected. It's all good. Um, but she had the, the true only pointed, uh, bird that I shot. And that was, that was freaking amazing. Um, just to see a seven month old Brittany out there, pup, you know, whatever breed you have, um, see her or lock up on a bird. Uh, I walk up bird flushes, shoot goes down. Um, that was, it was just, it, it, all the pieces come together when that works, when, uh, when the training, the genetics, the breeding, the dog—it all kind of comes together. That's just like, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome feeling. Um, so it was a it was a far shot, probably forty-five yard shot. Bird went down again. Um, this one started to run a little bit, and I could see it on the, on the hillside starting to run. And so Gunner and Wind were both down. I send them after it, and um, and Wynne actually she repointed it again. And by that time, it was it was pretty dead at that point, and so uh, she pointed, and I just reached down, grab grab the bird, and and off we go. But um, yeah, just so so the tracking job of both Gunner and Wynn, they they refound that bird, um, which again you have that moment of you see it, you see that little head, little head starting to, to move after you shoot, and you go, uh oh, <laughs> I want to make sure we we recover this bird, so. Um, again, some really special moments that'll stick out to me. Um, and the last one I'll share is, uh, just hunting with Drew and Cade, uh, cutting coveys and hunt to live on Instagram. Um, those guys were fantastic. I loved hanging out with those dudes. Um, we has, we had a really good time. Um, again, I do most of my hunting solo, but honestly, this was, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy hunting with Others more i know it sounds bad i'm I'm pretty introverted you know again i just that's just what i've done it's hunt solo i enjoy it but i really loved loved hunting with these guys and i look forward to hunting with people more actually um it kind of got me got me a taste of just getting out there more with buddies it it really makes the experience um just more wholesome Uh, sitting around the campfire at night you know cooking dinner eating eating burgers um, you know, driving to the field, getting the dogs loaded. It's just fun. It adds another element to the hunt that you don't always get when you're out there solo. Sure. When you're out there solo, you can you know just be attentive to your dogs and just, you know, kind of do your own thing. Um, but with hunting with others, it is a special, it's a special bond. It, it's memories that you can share with someone that you can remember and you can go, oh, yeah, remember that time that, you know, that Gunnar that had that retrieve or Coda, you know went on point and it's you can share those memories you can reminisce about those and so it was really special um i i really really enjoyed uh, those guys um Zeno, uh drew's uh gosh probably 19 week old uh gsp Oh, fantastic little pup. He went out there for a couple of our long walks and man, that, that dog is, he was working. He was, he was doing really good for, for, you know, 20 week old pup staying out in front, uh, coming with us. Um, he was a trooper, real, real trooper. It was, it was really fun, uh, hunting behind him. Um, so Zeno has got a, a bright future. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely get, uh, Cade and Drew on the podcast. Maybe we'll do a little, um, uh, further recap of of our trip with, uh, from their point of view. So, um, I'm sure, um, it'd be a blast to, uh, to do that. But anyways, those are some of the highlights, uh, kind of the things I learned. Um, so some of the things I learned. So first off, habitat and bird numbers, habitat looked great. Um, it looks like they got plenty of rain up there. It rained the first day I got there even. So, um, habitat looked amazing. Bird numbers definitely seemed down compared to last year. Um, so I went to the same area last year. Um, and and just from what I saw last year compared to this one, definitely down. Um, just as far as bird numbers, I was seeing a lot smaller coveys, fewer coveys, um, of sharptail grouse. So, um, that was, it was interesting to, to see, I, I did look at the drought map before I went and it was, I forget what color it, it showed, but I mean, it was in drought, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It, it gave me hope going up there, but I think it was enough maybe to maybe affect some of those birds, um. So yeah, just smaller coveys, not as many, um, definitely gotten into them, found the birds, found some coveys, uh, found birds each day, which was awesome. So very thankful for that, but just kind of something that stood out of going, Oh, like uh, the drought is a real thing. (laughs) It can happen. Um, again, maybe there's other factors as well. Um, but that, that kind of stood out. Um, another thing was, uh, Oh, know when your dogs need a rest, Um, this is, this is a a real tangible moment for me. Um, so I ran, uh, I'm not going to go over who I ran with, who is, it got confusing, um, as far as dog wise, but gauge ran. Um, so I hunted Thursday. He ran twice on Thursday morning and evening. He ran hard. He ran both those days. Really? Both those hunts really good on, on Thursday morning and night. And, um, Ran hard. I think he put in 20, 28 miles, uh, between those two hunts. So ran hard, did great. Friday morning, had a really long hunt Friday morning. He ran tw- as like 21 and a half miles. Uh, again, ran hard, just getting covered ground, hauled ass, um, worked great. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, he did two hunts the day before. He did great. He had that whole afternoon, the rest. I was kind of thinking for Friday, same thing. Give him the afternoon off. Go hunt him in the evening again. Um, so put him down the ground that evening on Friday, and we're you know we're a little bit into our walk. Uh, we got uh, Cade's dog uh, Coda down and Gage. I think yeah, I also had Wind down as well. And Gage is just acting slow. He's just not running. F- f- he's not ranging. He's slow. He he keeps stopping. He laid down a couple times, and once the, once he started laying down and we're barely into our, our walk. I'm like, okay, something, something's up here. He, he didn't get enough rest. He's not ready to, to, to go on another hunt. Um, so I made the call. I just told the guys, I said, Hey, I'm going to head back to the truck with, uh, Wynn and Gage, and you guys continue on, um, have fun. Don't, you know, no rush, go do your thing. And I'll just, I'll be back at the truck waiting for you. Um, and it's always hard you, you want to get back out there and, you know, hunt and all that stuff. But um, he was just showing me he needed rest. He he could not do it, and I wanted to hunt him the day after and the day after that. And so, you got to make those those calls that um, might not be what you want, but you got to make that call for the dog because they are not going to make that call. <laughs> They're not going to do it. Um, so, anyways, we headed back to the truck, and uh, I could have went back out, but. I was tired as well. So I just, I just sat sat at the truck and and waited for, uh, waited for the guys. So it was all good, but it was a a learning for me that, um, I think dogs need more rest than I think even. Um, and if you do hunt them real hard in that morning, they might not be able to hunt that, that evening. So, um, again, just a learning for me, um, probably a mistake on my part for even trying it that Friday night, but, um, Hey, you live and you learn. Um, Yeah and then rested him all friday night he gage went back out uh, saturday morning acted like nothing happened so he was <laughs> he was ready to go and charged up did another 20 miles uh saturday morning so anyways those um those are some of the things i learned uh some of the things that stuck out to me on this trip um had again had a, what a way to kick off a season um bagged a few birds gotten some coveys dogs worked great win got her first point it was awesome Oh, overall, it was awesome. I know uh, Drew and Cade stayed up there an extra day. I know they got into some birds even after I left. So I was excited. Both those guys got their first sharp tail grouse, um, which was, again, that, that's not my highlight too. Just watching those guys get their first sharp tail. Um, awesome. Awesome experience. Um, that's another benefit of honey with others. is Maybe someone who hasn't uh, got that species of bird yet or, or whatever it might be. Um, just seeing their excitement, you know, when they, they got their first, they've never seen a sharp-tailed grouse uh, up close in person. So that was a, a special moment to be able to, to share that with them, uh, get their picture with it and all that good stuff. Um, That was, that was definitely a a special moment. So anyways, this is a long intro. I wanted to recap, update y'all on the first trek of the season. Um, I hope you all um, are getting out there. Hope you have some plans made, uh, some things figured out to get out there, chase some birds. Early season's fun guys. It's fun. Don't let the heat scare you. Don't let um, bird numbers scare you. Just get out there Again, I didn't find as many birds as last year, but guess what? I had just as much, if not more, fun this year uh, than I did in, in last year. So, anyways, get out there, make some plans. Uh, we are going to jump in to today's conversation with Ben Bredigan of OnX Hunt. Uh, ben is—I uh, guess we're kind of continuing a Montana series. I know last week we talked with Brandon Moss, uh, who's also in Montana. Ben. Um, It's not from Montana, but he's going to spend a lot of time out in the prairies of Montana this fall. So we'll call this my Montana series. Uh, So we're going to jump in with episode 21 uh, with Ben Bredigan. So what have you been up to?
1: Oh, just been traveling like crazy. I was up in Alaska for a week, and that was ridiculous. That was fun. (laughs) Good. Um, So now I'm trying to pack like, probably six months, four months of honeydews until like the last week before I leave for Montana. So
0: (laughs) heck yeah. Was, was Alaska, was that, was that hunting, fishing, work, pleasure?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, we were up there fishing, fishing sockeye salmon on the Kenai and, um, had a buddy that called me like a week and a half before he was going to leave and said, hey, do you want to come to Alaska? And I was like, ah, hey, I guess so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So, That's, yeah, you can't, it really you can't impromptu. turn that down. Absolutely. Yeah. You cannot turn yeah. that down. What, um, what, what, I guess, I guess, give us a quick, what's on the first horizon for your, uh, your upland season.
1: So, uh, I had spent, I had spent some time a few weeks in Eastern Montana last year. And obviously the bird numbers were ridiculous, right? Yeah. So this year I decided, well, if two weeks is great. A month is even better. So <laughs> <I> am, <laughs> yeah, so I am, uh, I'm headed out, actually I'm headed out the first or before the first going to hunt for a few days, uh, around opener. And then I've got to come back for a wedding. And then that Sunday I'm right back out to the prairie and be there for three weeks. I might pop over to North Dakota, um, try it over there, meet up with some buddies and maybe try to shoot a crane or two. So okay. really just no agenda while the, wherever the wind blows me.
0: Dude, that sounds awesome. That sounds really, really awesome. I, um, my, uh, so my trip is uh, maybe not as structured may, maybe as that as the sense of like, I don't really have a plan, but I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still debating on whether I hit, I hit Montana or not. I'm just I'm kind of going back, uh do I just spend all my time in North Dakota, do I jump over? Um so we'll we'll see, but um all the all the reports have been making me nervous a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I've heard good and bad, right? It's the you hear all the doom and gloom and there's always going to be pockets of birds, but like there are some areas I've heard from Montana that's just scorched earth. It's yeah. dirt and not a lot going on, but then other people I talk to it's like oh yeah you know we found birds you just you know you've got pockets of really good habitat and um, they just concentrate in those good areas versus when good years they're in marginal habitat as well so
0: yeah absolutely yeah. well let's um I definitely want to dive into that a little bit more I want to hear about um, Montana last year for you kind of what that was like. Um, I know you got a new pup. We got to talk about Onyx. We got a whole bunch to get to, Uh, but first, uh, just tell me a little bit. Tell us who you are. uh, Introduce yourself and uh, put us on the map. Where are you? uh, Where do you call home?
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Ben Bredigan, and I obviously work for for Onyx Maps. Uh, I I do most of the marketing for the Midwest. uh, Represent our Midwest customer as well as uh, the wing shooting side of our business. So upland and waterfall turkey and that's it's great because that's what I love to do so um, I'm based out of um, so Onyx is based out of Missoula Montana but I am out of uh, just outside of the twin cities kind of where I grew up I had actually until I started with Onyx about a year and a half ago now and prior to that I was down in good old Mississippi actually so I was living in the south yeah it was good time I would work for uh, for Primos hunting down there, and so it was a great experience. Got to be a lot of cool people. But uh, last fall was my first year in five years that I was back in in bird country, and I took full advantage of it. So
0: <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Right on. So with, so with on with your role with Onyx, is it? So are you you're kind of the voice then for the upland side of things? A little bit of waterfall, a little bit of Midwest region. Is that kind of? Yep. The gist of it.
1: Yep. Okay. exactly so I work with a lot of our 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 upland water all partners and as well as you know I guess advocating for all you upland hunters out there right making sure that that the app is working for what you need it to do so
0: that's awesome that's and awesome. I've got a
1: vested interest in it so that helps I, oh, fight, a little bit I fight a little bit harder
0: hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent that's awesome man yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll dive into that in a little bit um but tell us a little bit of your. I guess let's start back at, back at the beginning. Sorry, I can't talk tonight. Um, did you did you grow up hunting, or how did you how did you get get down this path?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, pretty stereotypical upbringing in the in the outdoors. Uh, my dad was a hunter. Grandpa was a hunter. So uh, I grew up grew up with it. I remember, you know, my dad carrying me on his shoulders when I couldn't walk through through the crp and actually i was just talking about this to to somebody uh we used to go to iowa every year and i was little i couldn't have been more than three years old and and before then i was too young you know i I was i couldn't walk i couldn't do anything really in the field so one year it was like all right this is a year i'm not gonna get left at home i love this so much and so i remember waiting till my dad went to bed and getting out some bungee cords and trying to bungee cord him to the bed so he wouldn't wake up and leave. <laughs> and that's he, brilliant. He, he took that's me brilliant. along. <laughs> <laughs> he took me along, and oh. I'm sure it was, I, I rode on shoulders the whole day. So
0: <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. That's so awesome. that was, yeah. So, that, I mean, like I say, young, young start. And I think when I was about six years old, we got our first bird dog. It was a short hair, and, you know, he was a, typical short hair just full of piss and vinegar and he was the great (laughs) great dog and uh, I remember at the time I I live in the so I live outside of you know the Minneapolis St. Paul area in the suburbs pretty much to the west of us is all country and um, now there sits a housing development there but I remember remember riding my bike and uh, taking Jack our short hair out and I had a I had an old stock and I had taped together two pieces of conduit and depending on the flavor of the week is either a double barrel or a side by side or over under or side by side. And we'd go, we'd go chase after pheasants in the, in the uh, what's now a housing development. So um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I was eaten up by it. And so from there um, you know, I started to get a lot more into waterfowl by that dog he got cancer and died. And um, my parents got a golden doodle and, not the same caliber of bird dog.
0: <laughs> Wait, you mean not a golden doodle is not the same as a GSP?
1: <laughs> I know it's weird, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into this later, but that's like saying a, my pointer is the same as my draughts. Very <laughs> sure.
0: different.
1: <laughs> sure. Oh, I bet.
0: I bet. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, so, um, uh, anyways, I kind of fell out of, of, upland hunting for a little bit. I'd go a few times a year, but, um, really love duck hunting. I love chasing geese and ducks and, And went up to North Dakota and I went to school up there and pretty much so I could chase after birds Mm. and I did a lot of that and (laughs) and uh actually then I so then I moved down to Mississippi and of of all the things I missed it was it was hunting birds hunting pheasants grouse whatever so um from there it was hard right I mean Mm. heck I was at least from pheasants i was 15 hours away maybe a little bit closer but so i really started to take a a ton of trips started going to kansas going back to south dakota north dakota minnesota and, and uh so hit it hit it really hard again and uh yeah it's been been great it's been great to see the community grow um Obviously, probably with the advent of social media. So
0: sure, sure. So when you were in Mississippi, did you have your own dogs at the time or were you just out there walking?
1: Yeah, so I skipped over all my dogs. Oh no, no, you're good. <laughs> so, you're good. so I uh yeah, when I right when I moved to Mississippi, I, I bought a got a uh she's six, six now, uh, a drodhar my first one. And um I wanted something that I could do it all with. You know, we still I worked for Primo, so we did a lot of duck hunting Mm. for for the tv show and so i wanted a something i could uh track deer with shoot ducks with and then also a pointing dog and um she was she was a great first dog for Mm. sure just because uh really forgiving like she had the drive she was hard-headed you could make mistakes with her Mm. um and she would just keep keep coming back so i feel really lucky having her first because the next one he was a little bit more challenging and then now this pointer um he's even more challenging just different <laughs> but <laughs> so I got Annie and I think about two two or three years so it was three years later because I was running I ran her through the VG VGP and that summer I got my second draught um and just I you know I was taking these like kamikaze trips out west <laughs> And you know you're hunting sun up to sundown if you can, and a dog gets beaten into the ground really fast mm. after you know you hunt hard for three days, put on twenty miles, and you know she was she was pretty beat up, so I needed more dog power, yeah, and got him and he you know annie's she's she's a little bit bigger build, so doesn't you know wasn't the fastest moving dog, but she's she was really tenacious and then Herbie, my second one, he's a lot slimmer and he's built like a bird dog. So are
0: they, are uh, they related at all?
1: Yeah. So the, I got him out of Arkansas, out of uh uh Dillman fast drought Hars and they, uh, they share the same, same bitch and different sires. So okay. Okay. Um, love the temperament of, of, of their mom and, and yeah. wanted, it was her last litter and I wasn't planning to get another one, uh, you know, that soon, but it was like, this is her last litter and, and sure. just love that temperament. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did, um, so real quick before we, we move on, um, I think you're the first person with a draught that's actually been on the podcast. So congrats. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's exciting. <laughs> um, what would I, so I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, graffons. I've actually, for some reason, over the last month, I've met a lot of graffons, um, really cool dogs is a can com- I'm going to, I'm going to catch flack for this. Is a draught comparable yeah. to a graffon or like a wire hair?
1: Well, I'll catch flack for my answer. I'm sure because you can't make anyone. <laughs> I'm, happy. I'm just
0: generally curious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, kind of in in my you know in my experience, um, you know they share a lot of the same traits. Um, I've seen obviously there's there's like with wire hair pointers, um, there's a lot of really good ones, and I've actually seen a lot of really bad ones. <laughs> Um, same thing with Griff, uh, just a, a, in my experience, a little less or quite a bit less prey drive, hmm. a less, little less tenacity. Obviously you're going to have yeah, a spectrum yeah. there, Sure. but, um, you know, the breed standard with draughts is so strict. It's, you know, if you've got a decent breeder, even if you don't have a decent breeder, um, it's, it's really kind of hard to get a bad one. Okay. Um, so I think it's just that breed standard you get you get a much narrower band of good to bad versus wire hairs and Griffon's It's it a little be, wider. Yeah. You could get, you could, your chance of getting a dud is significant, but not okay. to say I've, I've hunted behind some good grips. Sure. I'm sure there's some great wire ones out hairs, there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just curious on that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And then yeah, touch on the, the new pup you got. He's is he, right. He's looking pretty. Yep. Pretty good out there, I gotta say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know how I did it, but I talked my wife into number three. I think I just <laughs> wore her down.
0: Okay, there you go. Um,
1: Sometimes it takes that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just tenacity again. Just <laughs> keep asking. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like I, I had been spending time more time out, you know, Montana, Western North Dakota, and uh, that landscape, as you know, it's just vast. Mm. And I needed a dog that was going to cover some more ground you know i had kind of groomed the two draughts to be sub 100 yard dogs you know just they were pheasant dogs for the most part and i didn't want them ranging that far out sure. um and i'd hunted uh with uh george lyle he's he's I've heard of him good friends with uh travis frank who hosts the flush and oh, okay i got a hunt with uh with him and his dogs a few times and I was just blown away Mm. um you know they they would cover the ground and I mean just wheels on them and I was like wow this is this is pretty damn cool and so I was like all right I this is I want one of these too (laughs) (laughs) and and sure enough uh so back in back in April I picked up Amos who is he's about six months too now and uh, I got him out of uh Packberry kennels, Bob okay. cones, uh, just outside of Omaha. And he's a L Hugh Sinbad pup from, from an AI and, um, high octane okay. and the, the little bugger runs. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> I've seen, seen some photos you, you posted. He's several hundred yards away and doing his thing. And
1: yeah, I was nervous and you know, it's just cause I didn't know. And, and so right away when I first got him, he was still a little puppy's He's like, dang, this is, you know, He's bootlicking. It's like I expected something that was like, Hmm. you know, right out of the gate, gonna start running. And obviously with just like probably insecurity. It's like, gosh, I get a pointer and I'm (laughs) gonna have a a bootlicker. But about five months old, like a a, uh less than that, probably four and a half, five months old, just a flip or a switch flipped and one day I caught him out at like 800 yards. And then the next week I caught him at like 1,250 yards. Oh, and geez. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Got to rein it in a little yeah, bit now. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh-huh. so, you know, just, just working with them now and trying to, <laughs> you know, I, he can be out that far, but you just have to, you know, he'll get just, lost sometimes.
0: Yeah. It just gets a little nerve wracking on our part. I mean, I know, I feel the same way. Whenever I, my, my dog gets like, so wind pushes, she pushed 300 one time and yeah. I was like, Oh my God, like I can see her on the GPS, but just, <laughs> I lose that sense of maybe that as much control as I want. And yeah. sometimes you just have to be like, okay, it's fine. Like let them do their thing. And sure enough, she made a loop and came back and so yeah. it happens, but we have to let go of that, uh that control.
1: I know exactly. So it's, like I say, it's just really, for me now, it's just, just trying to make sure he stays with me. I don't care if he's, you know, 300 or a thousand, a lot of the cases, but he just has to know where I am. And yeah. So that's what we've been working with Yeah. as of late.
0: Are you, are you using the whistle for that? If he's, if he's pushing that far, how are you, like, what, what are you working on or how are you working on that?
1: So I, I've, I started off, uh, w- with a lot of check cord work, you know, just, just working them, um, just working them to develop a search pattern and with the with the goal of eventually overlaying the e-collar um so you know he's at uh, that point of contact on the neck uh eventually transferring to i'm gonna hit him with the e-collar you know just a low stim to turn him. Sure. um you know bump 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 to come back the it's it's you know the huntsmith method so sure. um and and in the field I'm just cognizant. I'm, I'm changing directions a lot. And if he's not paying attention, then, you know, he's going to get lost and get left. And, sure. and when he, and I just, you know, when he comes back he comes back, so yeah, <laughs> nice. and then he's like, you know, you can see him work into a panic. He's like, Oh, I lost him. Where'd he yeah, go? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so he's been getting better about that.
0: That's good. That's good, man. Yeah. Will you, um, will you strictly just hunt him on big prairie birds or will you, do you bring him into some, some thicker cover pheasant hunting?
1: Yeah. So, um, going back to George and his, his couple pointers, um, that was the one thing that, that really sold me on it. Cause I knew they were big running dogs, but I was nervous about pheasant hunting just because like, oh, they're, you know, jumpy birds. They're going to, you know, flush at, sure. at 300 yards. And, um, we were hunting, I was hunting with them in December last year and, Those dogs were two, 300 yards away and, you know, they would bump a few birds, but, um, just, just he trained them to be very, very cautious, stop on scent immediately. And what he said to me is he said, you know, some birds, it doesn't matter if, you know, they're not going to hold regardless. So, you know, so you're not going to get a shot at them, whether they're at a hundred yards or they're at 300 yards, they're going to flush. So, um, after hunting with him and watching his, those dogs, I was like, okay, you know, they're just, you know, they, they did it all. So that's, that's my goal in in training this little one now.
0: That's great, man. That's good versatility. And yeah, you can swap them, swap yeah. them back and forth and you got yeah. your, your draughts still and uh, got yeah. some, some duck dogs in them as well. So you got, you got <laughs> exactly. the whole package, man. You got, you got a little bit of everything right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm, it's going to be a fun season. I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Are you, uh, this first season in particular, are you going to run them, run Amos with an, another draw? Are you going to keep them totally separate? What are
1: you going to, what's the plan? You know, I will run them. I'll run them together for sure. Just because I, a lot of the times I'm running, yeah, I'll run two dogs normally. And so my, my first one, Annie, she had a, actually had a spinal stroke at the beginning of, of last year. So she's oh. got one leg that's you know, about half there, not half in terms of physically, but just, you okay. know, she'll, she'll limp around. So she doesn't cover much ground Okay, stays close. Um, you know, just when I've been running them just on wild birds, since we opened here, um, you know, Amos will be out, like I say, out two, 300, hundred. will be at about a hundred and okay. annie will be tight. So they just kind of do, do their own things, but I was cognizant, you know, early on, I ran them together, but then, um, actually Amos just started, you know, doing his own thing. So, um, it's like, all right, well, we'll just continue to run them together.
0: There you go. I mean, they're, they're covering every square inch. Then if you got, if you got a big, <laughs> big Ranger, a mid and the close, I mean, you're covered. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: You so. are covered there, brother. That's awesome. Um, yeah. talk about last season a little bit, give us, I know it's almost a whole year ago, but especially, or maybe early season, give us a kind of recap yeah. early season, Montana, North Dakota. What'd you hit?
1: Yeah. So I started out in Montana and and went to more of a central region, wanted to get out there and just see some new country and um, got out there. The weather was just awesome. It was that big cold front that came through there. So I was super stoked, Mm -hmm. spent a bunch of time scouting online, talking to a few folks and I was like, all right, I think I've got a pretty damn good game plan ready to go. And then uh, after about day two, I just was kicked in the teeth like (laughs) i I don't think i think we made a phone like one covey of
2: sharpies Mm.
1: and just some awesome looking awesome looking ground and cover and um i was just beside myself Mm. i was like i i don't i don't know what to do and so said heck with it packed up headed back further east um just some some cover that i guess i was more familiar with i didn't you know, didn't hunt spots I'd hunted before, but just that look its like, okay, okay, this looks like there's Sharpies and and Huns and and uh picked a new spot on you know, found it on the map and and went out there and and I think within like five minutes we started putting up birds. So I was like, mm, Oh, nice. That's that's relief. I had some friends come up, drive up from Mississippi and um and so you know, that just that little bit of added pressure. It's like you're trying to show them a, a fun time too. Oh, sure. So um, yeah. Cause otherwise I probably would have beat my head against the wall <laughs> in central Montana until I figured them out. But, yeah. um, yeah, so, so got into sharpies huns, uh, just a great, great time out there hunting. I think we ended up hunting out there for like another six, seven days. And and that was uh middle September. And I, you know, I was, I don't, I don't think I had plans to go back out there, but it was so good. I, we saw so many pheasants and mm. Um, decided early October to, well, so go back out there again. Um, and yeah, the, the pheasant numbers were great. We, the sharpies were still behaving well. That's good. And yeah, so it was, it was a a great time out out on the prairie. So
0: nice. Were you, were you finding sharpies and pheasants in kind of generally the same, same fields or same general area?
1: Yeah. So, um, the area I was hunting was a little bit thicker and so we would find sporadic pheasants in there, like, you know, maybe every, every half mile we'd find a, a, a pheasant
2: nice.
1: and yeah. So it was like, I mean, not fast and furious, but then you'd, you know, we'd hunt a couple of pieces that dropped down to the cattail slough or dropped into some, like a, like a stream bed area where there was better vegetation thicker. And of course the droughts go right down into the thickest cover <laughs> they can find. And And just, I mean, pheasants everywhere. Like if it looked like good pheasant habitat, they were there. They were there. That's awesome, man.
0: That's awesome. Um, I was talking to it was Brandon Moss uh, a couple weeks ago and he was telling me about this whole, which is, this was new to me. And I was, was, I'm playing, I'm again, I might go to Montana still, but, um, the whole, like the, the different land types, there's like a type one, uh, walk-in land. There's type two and one you have to sign in basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And one you have to. Get permission physically. Still, yeah. Right?
1: So yeah. So it's it's the BMA program block management, um, and block management access. And yeah. So type one is uh, essentially you can treat it like a WeHa or uh, you know walk-in program plots. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much just go, but you do have to sign in. So they have if you go on the app, turn on the Montana block management uh, layer either you, you'll see these green triangles and that's where the sign in box is. So every day you have to go Mm. sign in, um, at the end of the day, you you drop it in the box. Yeah. At the (laughs) end of the day, you bring it back. Just, you know, I think there's, you know, what, you know, maybe what you shot, how many birds you saw, were you satisfied that kind of thing. Um, so that's type one and that's all listed on the map, right? When you're looking at the, the BMA and type two, yep. You do have to, you have to go sign it or i guess go talk to the landowner mm, okay. and get permission on it but yeah. in my experience it's like they're they're putting as 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 land that you can hunt um so they they want they're okay with letting people out I've, i mm. haven't had any bad experiences and actually the cool thing about type 2 bmas is that you know it's great you get to go talk to the farmer and mm. they know so like when we were out in central montana last year Um, went and talked to the farmer that owned this and he's like, yeah, you can go hunt it, but I haven't seen a Sharpie here in,
0: Hmm.
1: you know, in years. So it's like, okay, good. Like, wow. Great to know. Yeah. He's like, if you ever want to come back and hunt pheasants, So it's like, they're all right up here. So, (laughs) yeah. So it was like, you know, at first I was a little leery. It's like, oh, it's just easier not to ask, but, but it it ended up saving time and, and also got a few good leads for, for pheasant season. If I ever went out there.
0: That's, that's really good, man. I think, um, I mean, I'm not great about that, but I think it's a really good value. Um, talking is talking to landowners if you can, um, you know, being mm-hmm. respectful, um, getting to know them and just showing some vested interest. I think that can, like you said, it can actually help you, but also just, I, I think it can just speak a lot to the upland community and, and how we approach them, how we interact with them. I think that's a, it's a, it's a good value that I think we all need to include myself. Yeah. I, need, I need to do a little bit better.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, the only thing you got to remember is if, if you're trying to hunt something, you got to give yourself an extra hour mm. because a lot of them love to talk, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is not a Man, bad thing, but no, you just no. keep that in mind. <laughs> they
0: yeah. might, they might not have seen a, a new person in quite a while. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of those were out there and yeah. yeah. But, but you mentioned, yeah, I mean, I totally, like you said, it's been a year ago, but you mentioned Brandon. So uh, after we last year, after the first trip, we was, we were hunting in Eastern Montana there and then ended up going back out, uh, further West and hunted with Brandon for, for a couple days and, um, and chased after sage grouse. And, and that nice. was, that was incredible. He oh, is, nice. you know, he spent his whole, you know, whole life yeah. hunting sage grouse out there and, and yeah. it was, it was a sight to be seen. So
0: that's <laughs> Did um, you, uh, did you, uh, take your first sage sage grouse?
1: Yep. So I actually, my dad was out there with, with me too. And so we got to go out there and and both uh, get a couple sage grouse and, you know, Brandon's got, obviously he's got Brits too. And, and gosh, it was fun watching his dogs. He's got some hammers. So
0: yeah, that's so cool, man. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, just, just hearing a little bit of last season has got me more excited even so. Oh uh, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see i'm I'm gonna be so close up there in north dakota i might, I might as well just jump over for a couple of days <laughs> and, <laughs> i mean come on while i'm up there
1: yeah why
0: not right why not i know it's not like we can take this trip you know yeah you know, multiple times a year so make the most exactly. out of it
1: <laughs> exactly
0: that's awesome man um so what was i gonna ask you next sir oh do you uh so with the drafts sorry, going back to the draughts real quick. Mm-hmm. Have you done any, um, like natural ability testing with them, any trials or what's that process like for the draughts? it a little bit different yeah. than AKC stuff.
1: Yes, it definitely is. It, it's kind of the same flavor. Um, but I like to call the, you know, the NAVDA and that kind of stuff. It's like the American version of what we do for the draughts. So, uh, it's the, it's called the JGHV testing system. Um, I'm not going to try to say what that acronym means in German (laughs) because I can't even start. So (laughs) fair enough, (laughs) but essentially it's kind of what NAVDO is based off of. Um, So yeah, I ran all, I ran both dogs through uh, VJP, which is the natural ability, the puppy test, and then the HDP, which I think is, Equivalent to like, I can't remember what they call it, like the utility prep or something like that.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's like a prep and then there's the utility, yep, right? And, and, and then so,
1: the yep, and then the VGP, which is the utility test. Um, from you know, from what I know, I watched a you know, a utility test the other day, and it's like a utility test on steroids, it's mm. two days long. 32 different subjects and um you know any any, everything from search behind the live duck to uh they call it fox in a box where they'll you know you've built this this box i can't remember the standard now but it's like 20 30 inches something like that and put a fox in there they've got (laughs) to jump in grab the fox and get out and um uh, rabbit drags blood tracking oh wow Um,
0: so you got fur involved you got everything
1: yeah. So it's, it's just, I mean, it's a grueling test. It's when I get, when I got done with both of them, I went and probably had 50 beers and <laughs> fell, as, <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> That's it,
0: intense. That's intense. Yeah.
1: It was fun though. I mean, um, you know, w- w- any of those groups I was hanging out with some people up at Pine Ridge after one of the tests, the NAVDA tests this, this uh, couple weeks ago now, and um, really obviously you're going to you're going to get a really well trained dog going through that system but really it's just the people you meet in it mm. like just every i mean a lot of people that are just like you love dogs love hunting um you'll get to meet people from all over the country and have more invitations to hunt than you have time for so mm. um you know obviously the dogs one thing but i really enjoyed it just just because of the people and made a lot of good friends especially when I was in Mississippi and mm and you know, a northerner in Mississippi. So I, I got to meet a lot of good friends, uh, outside of work, lifelong friends that, you know, we hunt together every year still. So
0: that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, is that, is it just for draughts or is it German dogs? So is it GSPs and all that, or is it?
1: Yep. So it is. So the JGHV, I, I don't remember all the breeds that, that, um, they judge, but it's, you know, the Deutsch Longhar. Oh, okay. uh, the Kurt, the Kurtz are, um, obviously the Drot, And then no I think like Winston Landers and all that stuff, um, are under the JGHV as well. Um, depending on the breed, slightly different requirements, okay. if I remember correctly, but, gotcha. um, yeah.
0: Very cool. And then with, uh, with Amos, will you, uh, will you test him in any AKC trials or anything like that?
1: Yeah. You know, I just kind of, we'll see how it goes. I'd love to, love to run them on some, you know, some cover dog trials up here. I, I went up and watched a couple of them. I I'm pretty new to that side of the thing, that side of the business. Um, so I went up and watched, uh, one of the, the gross trials in Minnesota and people again, people were great. And that next weekend I I met one of the guys and he took me up and we ran his dogs again in the spring and, and learned a ton there, but um I'm not gonna buy a horse and do horseback trials.
0: <laughs> hey you say that There's, now. You say that yeah, now. Yeah oh
1: god my wife would actually probably say yes to that but all of a sudden you'd have a damn horse head sticking in my office because they, they don't do too well on my yeah. like you know, a half acre plot of land. So, <laughs> neighbors but, went like that. Uh, my money
0: will be like a year from now, man. Maybe two, two years from now. <laughs> you got horses. Yeah. Right. yeah okay.
1: Yeah. Oh. And I'll be divorced probably because yeah. then I'll have about a dozen pointers. But, of I'd, course. Because you say that, but like, I would be the person that would yeah. be like, shit, I got to get the horses. Yeah, but, yeah. Exactly. So I'll do some shooting dog stuff. Hopefully yeah. this, this um, whole just,
0: thing, man, this is just a whole, one big rabbit hole, this whole upland world, dogs, whatever you call it. It's a freaking yeah. rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And especially like, I'm going to blame Instagram and Facebook and whatever, um, you know, cause before it's like a lot of the times you didn't know what you didn't know. Like, Oh, I, I, you know, I know they do that, but I yeah. don't, now I see it you know, now you're day. enticed yeah.
0: to go do it, you know, go oh, to that yeah. state or hunt that bird or.
1: Yeah. Which is great. I love it. No, um, I think it's,
0: it's awesome.
1: So, and, and, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm not ruling it out. I'd, I'll probably run them. The nice thing, I'll probably run them try to run them in some derbies just cause lower pressure, less sure. expectations, a little bit more inviting. So yeah, yeah that's, absolutely. That's, that's the idea.
0: That's exciting. What, uh, yeah. what birds on your, on your kind of your, I don't like to say bucket list this year but like what's yeah. what's a bird you're really excited to go chase and hopefully the bag.
1: Uh new birds. I am going to go so I'm in the the working inner workings of uh setting up a chucker trip. Hmm. Going nice. to go try to probably go to um you know to that Hell's Canyon Snake River area and and give it a go out there. Um I've got another guy that I work with at Onyx uh Custis Coleman who um he's a go-getter he's got some great dogs and he's like yep dude let's early november let's go out and chase chucker so um i've never done that before and and probably just get my butt whooped (laughs) coming coming from you know being a flatlander. oh sure um yeah, I know. I know that little white dog will be up for it if he doesn't oh, jump off a cliff or something. Hundred percent. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't take a little tumble, but yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think after about day three, I'm going to be the one that's going to want to jump off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that puppy energy, man. That can uh, it could be exhausting to uh, just watch, yeah. but also try to rein in a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And, you know, while I'm out there, you know, probably maybe hop over to Washington or somewhere around there and go hunt, hunt some quail.
2: Okay. Um, there you go.
1: We'll see. I, I think my, my wife scheduled a trip for Mexico or something that weekend. So I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to be yeah. gone for that whole week. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to go big. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Kind of just, when you go somewhere, just spend some time there as much as you can and just, yeah, just check out the environment check out the landscape and, kind of go explore, right?
1: Yeah. And you know, the, the, you know, obviously COVID has been a terrible time for a lot of people. And, but the nice thing is with the remote work now it's, it's, you know, you can go hunt mornings, hunt afternoons and wherever. Yeah. And as long as you get your computer, you're working. So
0: hundred percent, hundred (laughs) percent. That's, that's been a nice, again, COVID has been crazy, but it's been a, uh, a nice little benefit. Yeah.
1: To some Silver lining.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Let's uh. Let's dive into Onyx a little bit. Um, yeah. That's, that's something I've been using for a couple of years now. Absolutely love it. Um. For for someone who maybe just does not know what Onyx is, give give us just kind of a quick overview. What is Onyx? Why should someone use it? And then we'll dive into some of the more of the details.
1: Yeah. So, I'll preface it by saying before I even work for Onyx, um. If you if you don't have it and you are a bird hunter, you're a public land bird hunter. You travel around. Um, you need you need to have it. It's I mean it has completely changed the way I've bird hunted. So it is a uh, GPS navigation hunting app for your phone. Um, and uh, at the crux of it, it's it's you've got private and public land information, so you can see public land, private land boundaries, who owns that land. Um, and, and, you know, that is, is really super valuable and not only what type of public land, but like we talked about with VMAs, is is it a type one or a type two? Is it a WPA? Is it state land? Um, so it just gives you all that information, uh, right at your fingertips. And, you know, for what, for what you spend on a, you know, shells, what you spend on a shotgun, your dogs, dog food,
2: yeah
1: you know, it's it's inexpensive. So we have a, you know, $30, dollars ninety nine package 99 package and a, and a 99 package, a uh, single state or, um, 50 states. So, sure. uh, it's, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm yeah. preaching to the choir. Oh, hundred, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. A couple of people yeah. here and
0: there just are like, Hey, oh, like, yeah. what, you know, what is this? Why, when you, why do I need it? And again, try to yeah. go, kind of go over that and just hundred
1: percent
0: for me, it's opened up so when I first got my, my bird dog, um, got my bird dogs, all excited. I was just starting to get into Upland and the, the kind of the roadblock for me was knowing where to go. It was a huge roadblock in just knowing like, okay, got this dog seasons coming. Like where the heck do I, where do you start? It was kind of this, this mm-hmm. mental roadblock in trying to kind of search around like Google images. Like, like I, it was just, it was very hard to find information yeah. and, uh, so once I got turned, I forget, I think it was a friend, maybe, or someone turned me onto it and uh, it just opened up possibilities. It opened up like, oh, okay. Two hours from my house, there's these blocks of walking access in Colorado. Like mm-hmm. it just gave you more encouragement to be like, okay, I can do this. I know where to go, you know, put some boots on the ground and, and all that. And, uh, kind of the, that e-scouting part and get, I feel like that's yeah. a learned, a learned skill. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, but For you know, sure. t- talk about e-scouting a little bit in terms of, um, yeah. Yeah. Talk about kind of the importance of e-scouting and what that kind of, kind of means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to kind of mirror your point, I mean, it's, it's not, uh, you know, to what you were saying about you, know, that confidence, it's not only for, you know, somebody new to get the bird hunting it's, you know, me, even me going out to Montana somewhere I've never been, um, uh, without it, I, I, there's no way I would have ever done it just because, uh, in the past, it's either you had to have maybe, went with somebody who knows the area who had been hunting out there for years or, you know, met, know somebody that could take you around out there and show you the ropes. But now you can just, you know, go out with confidence knowing that at least I can find land to hunt. I know what it looks like. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a game changer for, I think, new and, and veteran hunters alike.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah. So East scouting. Uh, it is a wildly important part of of what I do, no matter if I'm hunting pheasants, grouse, prairie grouse, whatever. And I've got a, you know, I've kind of got a system that, that I, that works for me, but in talking to a lot of people, um, you know, it might be a little different, but uh, uh, I'll just kind of go through what, what I look for maybe mm-hmm. yeah. in, in, in trying to find a new area. Um, let's just take, take pheasants, for example. Um, the first thing, first thing I'm going to do is, is turn on my public, public or government land layers. I'm going to turn on private and then whether it's walking or depending on the state you're in, um, I'll have those layers on. And that is, um, that's my, that's my first step. The next thing, what I'll do is I will look at the map, whether it's, uh, actually. So before that, I will look at the state agency and look at uh, roadside counts, or you know that preseason. Pheasants Forever does a great, great. Yeah. uh, You know they combine all the states in their your prairie grouse primer. Yep. Or yep.
0: I'm looking forward peasant. to that.
1: <laughs> I know it's great. So all these state agencies put out you know, bird densities. You know what areas are better this year, what areas aren't so good, and at least it'll get you in the right area. So I will look at that. Um, especially if I'm traveling to somewhere I don't know. And and if you're going somewhere, you're maybe going out for the first time, I would highly advise looking at that and then then go back to Onex and compare, be like, okay, this is the good area. Hmm. And, and I wouldn't get so hyper focused on on only hunting in the excellent areas, hmm. um, because there's probably another thousand. 2,000, 3,000 people that have the exact same idea as you. So I like, I I wouldn't hesitate. Like in Minnesota, I think they rate it like fair, good, great, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, you don't have to go to the area with the absolute highest bird populations. Um, So, so in, in, when saying that I'll look at that map and compare it to Onyx and be like, okay, this is the roughly the area that the bird numbers are supposed to be good in and from there i will start zooming in and finding clusters of public land um what i don't want what what you don't want to do is go and say all right oh there's one piece of public ground and put all your eggs into that basket because you could get out there it could have been grazed uh especially in a year like this with with emergency haying and grazing uh it could just be you know there could be cattle everywhere. The cover could be, you know, eaten down to nothing. And you're like, Oh gosh, now I'm an hour 45 Mm -hmm. minutes from the next area to even try to hunt. So that's why I really focus on those clusters of areas. Um, So so
0: you're basically giving yourself some options. You're giving yourself, Hey, if this piece looks terrible, I can jump five minutes down the road and hit up this plot.
1: Yep. And especially, you know, with hunters too, it's like, Oh, if there's a hunter in there, two hunters, two trucks around it, it's like, are kind of SOL. So yeah, looking for those clusters of, of public lands together. And then from there, what I'll do is once I kind of find a rough area that I want to be in, if, you know, whether it's 5, 10, 15 different pieces, or, or a couple large pieces, um, I'll, I'll hyper focus on a few of them. So like I said, we're talking about pheasants here. So I will find uh, you know properties that have kind of a mosaic of cover. And what I mean by that is a mix of uh, cattails, a mix of uh, you know if you, if you look at aerial maps, um, I like to call it like a fuzzy look. Okay. So if you go if you go on find an area that's got thick, you know thick, good tall grass and you zoom in close on it it almost got like, it almost has like a furry fuzzy look to it. And, um, and in addition to that, uh, that furry look also look for like multiple different colors. So, mm.
2: um,
1: generally the lighter, the color, the thinner, the cover it's going to be, okay. uh, the darker, the color, like you look at cattails, for example, they're always pretty much going to be dark. Mm. Um, so just that kind of that patchwork of different grass heights. Yeah. And, um, we recently added uh, crop layers. So for pheasant hunters, for, for guys that chase sharpies, tons, whatever. Um, we've added crop layers. So what that is, is, um, it is all of last year's data. Um, we can't get, can't get this year's data. Like what's planted now. It's, it's just for market reasons. They don't publish sure. it. Okay. But, um, yeah, so obviously corn is King for pheasants, especially. Sure. Um, so
0: and, and sorry, real, real, I'm so sorry to cut you off. So real quick yeah, with, no worries. with the crop layer, um, cause I, I haven't yep. actually poked around that one yet. Yeah. Um, I looked at the North Dakota, the electronically posted layer, but I haven't seen this one yet. Sure. Um, so with, is that just gonna, cause like, do they, again, this is more of a farming question, I guess. Are they changing crops in, in each field each year? Cause it's kind of like a rotation base.
1: Yep, exactly. So, so sure even though like a lot of people ask, well, why don't I care what was in there last season? And like you said, uh, based on like historical crop rotations, you can kind of get a good understanding of, of what is going to be in the field. So for example, you know, if a field is uh, corn last year, if it's so yellow is the color for corn um, it's odds are it's not going to be corn this year, just because corn is really, rough on the soil and Mm -hmm. and most farmers plant it in like a a two to four year rotation just because it it's hard on the soil um just pulls a lot of nutrients from it so you'll rarely see corn planted twice in the same field year after year so i look at a piece of land and it says all right there's oh this one is all surrounded by brown which is soybeans um you there's a pretty good chance that this year one of those is going to be corn Okay. Or, or vice versa. If one surrounded by yellow, by corn, um, it's probably going to be soybeans, which isn't, isn't bad, but um, corn is, is number one for me when I'm looking. Um, sure. And it just, just depends on timing of the year too. Like maybe early in the year, this one's uh, looks like it's going to be, there's a lot of wheat around. It's going to be a wheat field. Well, mm. if I'm hunting early, odds are like, if I'm hunting opening day, odds are that corn's probably going to still be up. So there's Mm going to be a lot of birds in that corn. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to hunt it, I might hunt it last light, um, catching them back to, to, to roost, or I'm just going to go and hunt that area surrounded by, um, surrounded by wheat just because I know, you know, come August, early September, it's already going to be out. So.
0: Sure. Okay. Um, so it's just just giving you a lot of As you give me data to kind of form a plan, form an idea for what you're stepping into. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing, you know, just, just over, um, you know, last year and a half I've been working and just even just digging into the maps even more. It's, um, it's really compiling all of that information together. And then like, hopefully through like podcasts like this or articles, um, you can kind of, you know, I'm trying to put it together. Yeah so it's 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 compiling all of this data together to make a you know a, an action plan
0: well there's yeah there's still work required on our part it's not just oh we look at a map and okay that tells us everything like there's still going to be some work and requirements on our side to like you're saying put together okay i heard this i read this i see this now you put your own game plan together basically
1: yeah exactly so yeah. um yes yeah, so so uh after i find a you know, property that's like, it's got the mosaic cover. It's got good crops surrounding by it. Um, I, I always implore people to use waypoints. Um, maybe everyone else has a way better memory than I do, but my memory (laughs) is awful. Yeah. And and so (laughs) I'll put, I have a color coding system I'll use. Um, if I, I'm East coding, I'll use, uh, I'll find a piece of property and I will, uh, put a waypoint and not only put a waypoint down, I will, um, we have different icons. So, you know, different icons for different species, different things. So if I'm pheasant hunting, I'll put down, I'll say, all right, here's a pheasant icon on this waypoint and I'm going to color it yellow Mm -hmm. and you can pick whatever color you want. This is just what I do. I was actually
0: actually curious about your system. So this is good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yellow means I've e-scouted it. It looks good on the map. I've never been there. Um, but it's something I want to check out. And if I find an area where it's like no brainer, like, Oh my gosh, the spot is going to be dynamite. I'll color it pink. And so once I get out to the spot and either I, I confirm that whether it's, I see birds out there, I run into a bunch of birds or I go out there and I, you know, find birds hunting, I'll change it to blue. Hmm. And in the note section, I'll put, you know, I, maybe I saw, but 40 birds out of this area or i saw five birds out of this area and i'll put a date in there too so kind of know when i've been there and i'll change those those yellow waypoints to blue waypoints and um my map looks like it's got like some sort of chicken pot disease because it's just (laughs) you know and and, you know i'll get bored at the computer at night or whatever (laughs) like oh let's go to south dakota and try to find some public and roosters, and there'll be like a random area that's got like 70 70 waypoints on it. It's like, huh? I looks like I went a little buck wild that night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so blue means you've basically seen it in person, right?
1: Yep, I okay. found birds there. Okay. Um, yellow east goat And then if I go there and it I just bomb, there's no birds there, I'll actually leave the waypoint on there, but I'll turn it to black. So black okay. is a no black is a no-go.
2: Okay. Well, that's Air, a good idea.
1: Not good. And you know it, it just if it's like i there's there's never going to be birds here in the next 5 years um it's not if there you know there might be birds here this black means like do not ever do not do this step foot on this piece of property again it's yeah. just dirt yep exactly so um that's kind of my system and it helps me keep things organized and and i I, you know, I see other people's maps um, and and a lot of red X's, but I think it's super important and valuable to, to just do a good job of documenting. So you can go look back and, you know, Mm -hmm. three years and say, okay, like, otherwise if I see a bunch of red X's, it
0: all looks great.
1: (laughs) Oh, did I, was it this spot I hunted or, or was it, or did I East coat this spot or, you know, it, it just gets confusing. So it takes a little bit more time, but yeah. Um, I think in the long run, especially, you know, Onyx is still pretty new. So what is your map going to look like in, yeah. in 10 years or five years? So, yeah,
0: yeah. Think about long-term one of the, yeah. uh, I think the biggest thing I I've struggled with is just kind of learning, like, like you were saying like, Oh, corn looks like this, you know, cattails look like this. I've just had trouble like understanding, like what do all these pieces look like? Um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I started doing, I think it was last year. It was last year. Is when I'd be driving out in the country, wherever I am, and I see a piece of ground. I see corn, a cornfield. I pull mm-hmm. up Onyx to see what it looks like in person and what it looks like on Onyx, and it teaches yep. me, oh, like okay, that's what corn looks like on Onyx. Oh, that's yeah. a, wheat, a wheat field. And so that's been kind really of nice. smart. Yeah, yeah. Just, just visually, I'm just a very visual person. And, uh, it just helped me learn like, okay, that's, you know, cut wheat field, that's cattails and all those kinds of things. And i um, still learning different areas and stuff, but yeah, it's at least help, help me get a little bit of, uh, just, yeah. Put some eyes on it at least.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, that's great. Like, it just really helps you pinpoint what is what um, one thing I tell people uh, to do. And it's what I did when I went out to Western Mon- or central Montana and bombed is um, what I did is I would actually go. So I'd go to on I would find an area that looked similar to what I thought was good cover along like a, a more of a major road then i would actually flip over to google earth so not Mm -hmm. google maps but like the google it's a free program you can download on your computer and uh if you ever see the google cars driving around you know all the cameras on top so you go to google earth there's a little orange guy in the top right corner you can click him and drag him and set him on a road Mm. and you can see you know actual photos along that whole roadway so it's like okay Oh, this is just full of, this is thick sagebrush. Okay. Now I know what it looks like on the map and I can see it not in person, but as close to person as, as you can pretty much get. And so it's like, Oh, I wonder what, you know, I wonder what those trees are. Yeah. are those, they look like Russian olives. Boom. I can go find, you know, something along a roadway and be like, yep, this is what it looks like from an aerial perspective. And this is what yeah, it looks that's like. That's really on the good. So
0: that's really yeah, good.
1: So that's been helpful.
0: Definitely. How, how many? Uh, how many pins do you do you estimate that you have to put down? Oh,
1: estimate. So now I have multiple accounts now, but on my main account, <laughs> which I have, I've had to clean out. I think it's now up to like 20, 2500,
0: 2,600. Oh, okay, sounds much yeah. as, as I thought. Yeah.
1: The other accounts, I mean, I'm probably over seven total from okay. different accounts. Just because <laughs> once you get that, once you get so many waypoints, believe it or not so many waypoints, tracks, everything. It, it actually slows it down. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually noticed that uh, last, a couple months ago, actually, I, I went through and cleaned up some spot. I was doing a lot of uh, Colorado turkey scouting, e-scouting, oh. and I had so many pins put down of areas I wanted to check out and all that. And I started noticing it was just like running a little slower. I was like, I wonder if it's because of all the, all these spins. I probably deleted like 200 or so.
1: Yeah. So, so I went, you know, a number of us, obviously at Onyx are, are we're power users. We use it all the time for everything. And so, you know, we were like, all right, this needs to change. So now <laughs> I think that the, the next update it's, it is, it's lightning fast now. Oh, so nice. That's even, awesome. Even with so many waypoints. So. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah. How, um, so I'm kind of curious. So when you guys add, uh, add a new layer, a new feature, something like that. So let's take the North Dakota um, electronically posted uh, layer. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what's that process like to get that done? Cause that just, to me, it seems like a huge just task to get that data and, and kind of figure that out. What's that generally that process like for you guys?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, by no means am I in uh you know, a GIS specialist. Um, I, I just can poke my way around GIS, but Essentially, you know, we find some data that is, you know, would be valuable and you go contact the state organization like this, you know, in this instance, it's Game and Fish and, and um, they have it all, they have all that information they've compiled um, in their GIS database, and then our engineers go and um, can put it into the app and uh, I don't, I don't know how it's done. Ex- <laughs>
0: just exactly.
1: magic. Yeah, exactly. I just, I talented to do it if Somebody says, go do this and then they go do it. They're great. But we've got, you know, we've got a huge team of really talented people and, and they're great. They're super fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's really just, just what, you know, what, what can bring value to our customers, you know, like out in North Dakota, like you said, um, now with the rule change, it's like. Oh, that's, that's huge because a property might not be posted physically anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day it, um, you know, for, I guess for people that aren't familiar with North Dakota's uh, land access laws is uh, in the past, if it's not posted, uh, you could legally hunt it. Um, so now it might not be posted, but it could be electronically posted and um, you, you wouldn't know, just by looking for a sign on a corner post sure. or every X amount of feet. So, um, yeah, like that's something that, that the, the more it's out there, the more people realize it. Cause I'm afraid, you know, obviously you got to pull the cord at some point and, sure. and it's going to be awesome, but you know, I'm sure there's going to be a number of warnings written this year, just saying, you know, I'm sure the game warrants are going to be explaining, yeah, well, you know, we've sure. got this new system new process. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: It'll, exactly. be a, it'll be a learning curve for sure. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I uh, I grabbed a couple questions uh, from the old Instagram and a couple of oh, yeah. things. Very so nice. I thought we'd uh, dive into a, a couple of these. And uh, again, just answer how you can, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. But uh, someone asked, uh, How would I, or no, I would, oh, sorry. This person wrote, I would ask if we could get a middle ground package of three to five states. Is that anything you know about on the horizon or is that, or you guys just have the, the one state and, and then the 50 states, right?
1: Yep. One state and the 50 states. And I, you know, I don't, as of right now, you know, we have no, uh, no plans to do a middle ground. Um, really we're, we've added, uh, so our elite program, elite membership, uh, if you haven't looked at that recently um, we've added a number of different things, uh, outside of the app. Um, you know, if you do any big game hunting, we've added, you can go and access it's called top rot or, um, hunting fool, which can hmm. get you draw odds. If you're applying oh, yeah. for any big game stuff, um, we offer that for free. we have got a number of other things in the pipeline that are, you know, tremendously valuable, um, to hunters and, and here I can't spill the beans yet, but we've got some new feature for bird hunters that it's, it's going to change the game for, nice. for bird hunting. And so that'll be offered in in for our elite customers. So, you know, what I tell people, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a hundred dollars. It's, you know, it's a fair amount of money, but, um, you just spent, uh, $200 in dog food this month. You just Mm. bought a new alpha. You bought, uh, you know, you know, a case of boss shot shells. So it's like at the end of the day, I think on X for a hundred dollars, if you hunt out of state, um, it's going to bring you significantly more value. Yeah. Um, than a lot of these other things. Now, um, you know, the, the, caveat to that is let's just say I'm, I'm going to hunt Wisconsin this weekend. I, I really don't want to get an elite membership for one day or two days. Um, call up our customer service department. Um, we've got unreal customer service reps mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the times they'll be able to help you out. So, awesome. Um, yep. You'll be mm-hmm. talking to people, right in Montana or, you know, at least in the U S for sure. And they're super knowledgeable and they'll, great. They, they'll help you out. They'll that's help really you cool. Out. Love that. Yeah. Um,
0: this is kind of a funny one. Does Onyx steal my pin locations?
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I don't steal. Uh. <laughs> um, so that, that's a question that we get a lot and it's really, Yeah. All the time, like people, and they always half jokingly, but, you know, obviously there's some, some hint of truth in there. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal, right? Like I don't want, I I don't want other people at Onyx seeing my (laughs) pins, much less, you know? So no, um, that's, you know, all of our, our waypoint database is under lock and key and, um, you know, it's all, it's all encrypted. So like, we can't, we can't access your, your data. I'm surprised
0: that's been asked a lot. I mean, I read this, this person wrote to me, I was like, I kind of laughed. I'm like, who would ask that?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you'd be surprised. Like, and again, it's always half joking, but you know, you can tell they're kind of serious. And you know, we've heard that's why some people don't put waypoints down because mm. they're like, Oh, those guys at Onyx are, are, are seen on my waypoint. So, and that's like oh, just the truth. That's
0: but it's hilarious. Um,
1: yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're customer first and, and uh, like I said, I don't want other people seeing my waypoints, and, and that's sure. no, the yeah, same, I get, I same way it. we operate. Yeah, yeah,
0: I get it. Uh, one more here. Uh, I guess I, I don't really understand this. Maybe you will. Uh, can they add the ability to get the compass bearing to a selected point or draw line?
1: Yep, yep. So that uh, that is something that's that's in the works for sure. So okay, okay. Um, yep, just just so you, if you know, you're more comfortable operating on on bearings. Um, you'll be able to do that in encompass mode here shortly. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Someone else asked, how do I use it? <laughs> listen to the podcast. It'll, it'll yeah, a-
1: listen to the podcast. <laughs>
0: it'll, uh, it'll give you some good direction at least.
1: Yeah, there's a number. If you just Google how to use Onyx on YouTube, there's a ton of great tutorials on how to add layers and and how to use a tracker tool, the line distance. You know, there there is a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, And I, I can see for, it would be overwhelming for sure.
0: Yeah. And you, and, uh, I think you did a couple on X videos, right. With, was it Tyler? On, yep. Uh, yep. So was we, it uh, hun, hun scouting? No, uh sharptail scouting, right?
1: Yep. So we did one last year, all about, and and obviously like Tyler is just a guru when it comes yeah. to Sharpies, like, he knows yeah. the stuff. So I, I got to go out there and I filmed with them for for a couple of days and yeah, if you go on his YouTube channel, birds, booze, buds, um, he has got, yeah, we put it on his YouTube yeah, channel cool. and it's, I would highly suggest that for someone going out on Sharpies. And then this year we're going to releasing the scout for hunts. Uh, oh, nice. Oh, it's coming out. Cool. So, yep, exactly. That's so that's great, man. Um, yeah, great resources.
0: Very cool. Well, I got, uh, so one more question and then we'll end with the uh, rapid fire section here. Uh, but talk yep. to, uh, talk to the new bird hunter out there, uh, the new guy or girl who is heading into their first season. Maybe, uh, maybe they just picked yep. up their first bird dog. Uh, what's some advice you would give them, uh, heading into this fall?
1: You know, I don't, my wife says this is terrible advice, but, um, so my, my big thing is like, just do it. Like go, I I wrote an article, I think for gundog. Yeah. It was in like their 40th anniversary issue. It's the the big thing is just go out and do it. Like, like the worst thing that can happen is you just spent a day walking through, you know, a beautiful, gorgeous landscape. you got to watch your dog. If you've got one, um, you probably learned a thing or two saw a thing or two out in nature. Like that's the worst thing that could happen. Mm. Um, you know, exp- I, I take that back. There's worse things that can obviously happen, but, um, you know, if you're, 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 you're safe, um, and you're on ground that you can access, hopefully you have on look at that. Um, but just go and try it and, and learn new things because, um, you, you, you can't, otherwise it's hard like you to, to make your own experiences. Nowadays with YouTube, there's so many, you Google, anything, how to, uh, you know, how to scout for sharp tails, how to hunt for heart, sharp tails. Um, you know, there's, there's guys like, uh, like Saban Adams with, with, uh, the bird tails, there's Eric Forrester, a bunch of public land people that put out a ton of content. So I, I watch a lot of that and learn from them. It's like being alongside, they're talking you through it. You can see the cover that birds are coming out of. Um, so, so So do your research, just watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts and then go, like go out and do it. Just try it. Or, and and you don't have to go with someone. Um, I ran into a guy in South Dakota the other year who was driving a a Honda Civic and he didn't have a dog. And, and he just said, Hey, like, uh, I'm new to hunting. I've never done this before. Uh, I just wanted to come out and pheasant hunt. And he was on a piece of public land and it was a good piece of public land. And And I was just so blown away. And I was like, yeah, like come and come and hunt with us for, you know, the next two days. And, and like, I was just blown away. Like, that's what, you know, don't be afraid. Just, just be confident. That's one of the biggest things I could say.
0: That's really good, man. I like that a lot. Sometimes you just have to go, like you said, again, jokingly aside, worst things can happen, but the worst thing that can really happen is you spend a day with your dog out in a beautiful field. Watch a beautiful sunset, sunrise, and maybe get some Taco yeah. Bell on the way home and it's a good day.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, whenever I can find a good Taco Bell, that's that's a good day. Um uh, all right, brother. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's uh we're gonna go through a rapid fire section. Um, I always give the warning. Um, just give us your kind of your answer off the cuff, but if you have to explain anything, you can go into more detail. There's there's no sure. no hard rules. But uh what gun are you carrying out into the uplands and why?
1: So I have uh carry either a 686 Beretta Silver Pigeon in a 20 gauge or a uh A400 upland Veretta in 20 gauge. Um Nice. I'll shoot, I'll shoot the the A hunter the semi-auto uh i shoot it out west where uh you know there's a lot of times you'll get a popcorn flush get too excited there's lots <laughs> of birds coming out uh yeah, so i'll shoot that and the, at the end of the day i shoot a semi-auto really well for whatever reason so I, I love that gun and then i have a 686 i'll do a lot of the grouse stuff with you know things where i would never in my wildest wettest dreams get four shots off <laughs> Um, and I'll shoot that. And, and for a 20 gauge, like I, I firmly believe unless that's what you have, like a 20 gauges will do any work on birds and it's going to be a lot lighter. So.
0: Agreed. Agreed. The good old 20 gauge. It can, it can take down a pheasant. Can you attest to that, please?
1: I, I hunted one day or one time with my 12 gauge last year and I walked a hundred yards with it. 50 yards out and then 50 yards back to the truck and picked up my 20 gauge. So all your first sage grouse, pheasants, everything yep. into yep. The, the end of January, yep. 20 gauge.
0: Smart man. You go on, yeah. go on some of these hunting forums. And it's, Oh, a 12 gauge can't take down a pheasant. I'm like,
1: Oh crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crap. Right. <laughs> They're like, mm-hmm. so like, Oh, we can't take down a North Dakota pheasant. I'm like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. North Dakota pheasant are the same as Nebraska pheasant <laughs> or whatever pheasant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um. All right. Favorite dog breed besides the two you own?
1: Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. Um, I would have to give. Gosh, I'd have to give. Uh, I. I think either a probably a setter. It was a toss-up for me, really, between a setter and a Brit. I love the way that setters look, uh, in the grouse woods just yeah. like that classic, beautiful look. Um, but then I've hunted with some just killer, killer Brits too. So that, that's a tough one. I yeah. picked two. I hope that's okay. okay.
0: <laughs> well, I I'll let it slide because one of them was a Brit. So
1: okay. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, pick your, uh, your favorite bird species to hunt. Only you can only pick one.
1: Uh, Huns. Okay. I, for huns because I mean just that explosive. It's either an explosive covey bird. Um, I'd say quail, but I like the Huns because they're a little bit bigger than a little bit bigger. Um, and, and just just that that beautiful look to them, you know, that mm-hmm. rusted head and the mm-hmm. places they live at. It's nothing like shooting a, a hunt in an old farmstead.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome, man. I can't I can't wait to yeah. uh, chase those. Um, all right, couple more. All right. Uh, solo hunt with you and your dogs or a group hunt with some of your buddies.
1: God, this is, I'm, I'm breaking the system here, but I love (laughs) hunting. I love hunting by myself. Um, but when I come back to camp, I love having a group of people. Mm. Uh, so yeah, again, Ideal situation, like two or three I'll people. I'll let it slide. But- I'll let it slide.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, break yeah. You're you're just going off the of yeah, rails. Here, I know.
1: <laughs> I know. All These right. Black and white question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun
0: to put people in the hot seat. So, all right, exactly. two uh, two Onyx questions, and then uh, my favorite question at the very end. Uh, favorite? You yep. only pick one. I'm going to hold you to this. Favorite right, Onyx cool. feature.
1: Ooh, Your um, favorite Onex feature? My favorite is the, I would have to say the walk-in, walk-in layers. Hmm. Uh, I love walk-in layers because you know there's a ton of good public land, but at the end of the day, um, there is a lot of the times more of a mix of cropland in there, and where you find crops, you find a lot of birds.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, last Onex question: If you could only pick one state to have Onex in. Which would it be? Oh,
1: geez. Well, I, I'd have to say North Dakota now with the okay. with oh, the, electronic electronic posting because otherwise it's like gosh, I you know <laughs> have to have to go on the website and yeah. figure it out. So that it's it, seriously it's a game changer because you you need it now.
0: Absolutely, you you do you really do. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, it's yeah. kind of random. Do you do you just personal opinion? Do you feel more states are gonna Move to something like that, where, yeah. or do you think they don't have hope, a need?
1: I hope so. I mean, it would be great. Um, just you know, like I said, North Dakota is kind of unique with with their land access laws. I think it's like North Dakota and Maine or something mm. like that. That's, there's one might be one other state in there as well. But um, you know, it would be great. And actually, I take that back. I, I could see it being a thing. Um, especially with a lot of these landowners owning thousands of acres, hundreds of, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres, whatever. It takes a lot of work to put posts and signs up every X amount of feet around this piece of ground. So, um, what I like to see it. Yeah, for sure. sure. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, but like I said, North Dakota is kind of, yeah, like, yeah, you, you, yeah you cause
0: they, to, yeah, like you said, they were probably the only one that if it wasn't, physically posted. You could hunt it, that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. Yep. All
0: right. Cool. Last question. Beverage of choice after a hunt.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to give the nod to the old bush latte. All right. Ah, Little,
0: little bush. All right. Yep. You you might be the first, I'd have to go back and check. I think you're the first one to say bush. Um, I've been been on a streak. The last couple of podcasts, uh, guys are saying water, which is I mean, really that's good smart but
1: yeah yeah um, not, not not me i <laughs> yeah. go for a bush every time <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> sounds about right yeah well ben uh this has been a blast man thank you uh, yeah. so much for for jumping on here we're i know we're getting late here and uh so yeah. gonna, I respect your time. Uh, I got, I got kids inside that are banging down the garage door. So,
1: <laughs> well, well, I, I really appreciate you having on me and honored that you thought of me. So uh, I had a great time and hope to do it again soon Yeah, and maybe, maybe catch each other in the field here this fall.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Thanks there for you sharing your wisdom on Onyx and all that, all that good stuff. And just yeah. yeah, getting to know your story. It was a lot of fun.
1: Great time. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much, Ben. Take care. Well, that is a wrap of episode 21 with Ben Bredigan. Ben, thank you, brother. That was awesome. Uh, sharing and dumping your X wisdom with us. Um, I have started, since we last talked, I have started kind of cleaning up and organizing my OnX, uh dashboard, database, whatever you call it, uh, just the way it's organized. So uh, thanks for the encouragement. Uh, it'll help my OCD a little bit more. Anyways, guys, use promo code TUR20 for 20% off your OnX Hunt subscription. Guys, you got to have OnX. It's a game changer in uh, upland hunting for sure. Guys, uh, this has been fun. Thanks for tuning in. And this is a little bit longer of an episode. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you're having a fun and safe start to your 2021-2022 season. Hey, if you are not hunting with a Brittany, it is okay. Any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on your boots and have fun.